The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. A reading from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you may have heard this story maybe from me before, the Sherlock Holmes author, he loved to play practical jokes. And in one joke... He sent a telegrammed message to each of his 12 friends. Each of these men were highly respected and esteemed in the community. And the message that he sent these 12 friends was this. Simply put, flee. All has been discovered. And to his shock, within 24 hours, the urban legend says, all 12 of his friends left the country. Right now, I would venture to guess that everyone sitting in this room at some point in their lives, maybe even today, could receive a similar message and be out the door. You may have heard this story before, but it bears repeating because I want to ask us the question, what would cause us to up and leave? I think it's this. I think it's the fear of being found out. Found out to be less than who you or others think you are. Found out to be more of a mess than you or others can see. Found out to be more serious a sinner than you or others have ever imagined. Can we be honest about our sin or is being found out the worst thing? In our culture, friends, to be found out as a sinner or more messy than meets the eye It could lead to awful consequences, right? In our culture. Facebook, unfriending. Snapchat, shaming. Social media, distancing. I don't know the guy. I don't know the woman. One woman who showed her true colors of sin by posting a sarcastic and insensitive tweet right before boarding her flight found herself, by the time she landed... Fired by her boss and filleted by the world's media. Can we be honest about our sin? The world says, not unless you want to pay the price of being rejected. So what do we do, friends? What do we do instead? We perform a great cover-up. We hide our wrongs by playing a game of what I'll call hide and sleek. 
We hide by keeping our sins unknown, under wraps, behind closed closets, behind closed lips, behind closed browsers. We hide. And then we play sleek by making ourselves look better and brighter, boasting of what we do well, blaming others for when we mess up, wanting to be seen as the standard of goodness and righteousness of which no one else could match. Hider and sleeker, all of us. But we can only play that game for so long before our cracks start to show. And that show, our performance, just starts to get weighty, like you saw with Charlie. Can we be honest about our sin? What would happen to us if we were? We're continuing this series through the book of Psalms, walking through each portion of our liturgy, the story we tell each week in worship at All Saints. And today, we're focused in on the third part of our liturgy, corporate confession of sin. Looking specifically at Psalm 32, which answers the question, can we be honest about our sin? It answers with a please, yes, indeed. Psalm 32 encourages us to keep on each week in the corporate confession of sin because this, friends, an honest confession of sin brings a happy protection from Him. So we must confess to the Lord the full truth of who we are. An honest confession of sin brings a happy protection from Him. So we have to confess to the Lord the full truth of who we are. Why be honest about our sin? What motivates us to lay the ugly, hard, raw truth of who we are before the Lord? Three results which come from being honest with the Lord about our sin that we see in Psalm 32. Rejoicing, relief, and rescue. First, confession of sin brings rejoicing. How in the world, this is so amazing to me, how in the world could confessing something as ugly as sin lead to something like rejoicing? It's almost counterintuitive that bringing forward the worst of us could result in the best of emotions, rejoicing. But the gospel consistently turns our thinking, our logic on its head. Verse 1 and 2 begin with the word blessed, a beatitude, means happy. It's a word that has to do with moving straight ahead without any hindrances. Think of the experience I had recently on vacation of riding a bike down a hill. What's that like? kind of go back to being a kid, don't you? You're like, oh, just free to ride. Nothing's stopping me. I'm gliding along. That's blessed. That's happy. And that freedom of riding downhill usually comes particularly after riding uphill for a while, right? And this psalm is called a maskil, which is a term which means understanding. Maskils, many believe, are like biography songs written in which a person has gone through something and wants to write the lyrics about what they've experienced or what they've come to understand or learn about life. And the songwriter David knows personally the uphill climb of sin, doesn't he? He had an affair with another man's wife. He got her pregnant. He tried to cover it up by killing the man on the battlefield as a king and putting his pawn in place. And then he continued to pretend to be a righteous king of God's people by marrying the poor widow. All of this done in secret. 
And in 2 Samuel 12, when David was found out and confronted by God's messenger, Nathan, David confessed to the prophet saying this, I have sinned against the Lord. He knew full well not only his affair, but his murder was punishable by death. I deserve to die. But Nathan says to David this, The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. This, this is the happy David has come to understand in verses 1 and 2. Look at verse 1. Happy is the one whose transgression is lifted, whose sin is covered, whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Three words in this psalm which capture the full portrait of our broken sinful state. And you might see them in Scripture as you read and not exactly sure what they mean or how they're different, but they're three words, transgression, sin, and iniquity. What's a transgression? It's a crossing of a line. The line set up for the people called the law. And a transgression is a breaking, a crossing a line of God's law where we say, I know better than God. That's a transgression. What is sin? It's an offense. When we do that, it's what happens to our relationship with God. He's offended when we sin, when we make these transgressions. He's offended. God's no longer on your side when you break His law. He now becomes the authority. He becomes the police. He becomes the judge who has to punish the crime-breaking. Or the law-breaking, excuse me. So transgression is a crossing. Sin is the offending. And then iniquity, this word iniquity, what is that? Iniquity is the state of being twisted and deformed by your crime or your offense. You're not right. That's iniquity. So look at the happiness offered to David. Transgression lifted. You are no longer known by what you've done, murderer, adulterer, liar. Sin covered. God now steps closer to you rather than further away. And iniquity cannot be counted against you. God promises to transform you from the twisted, broken state you're in to straight again. What could be more happy than this? I don't know about you, but I've had dreams before. I'm admitting something. I'm confessing something. Where in my dream, I've done something that I was incredibly ashamed of doing. One in particular that I remember a few months ago involved me shooting someone with a gun. I killed him. I killed a man. And the entire dream was me trying to hide the murder weapon, trying to run from the scene, trying to come up with some kind of twisted alibi. I'm thinking about, oh, this is a life in prison. I'm never going to see my family again. It was awful. It was awful until something happy happened. What was that something? I woke up. The happiness, the joy I felt that this is no longer my reality. It, it's not happened anymore. That's what David is celebrating. This is the happiness of a sinner-made saint. Confession of sin to the Lord makes straight away for a sinner because God has a remedy to make a criminal a free man, to cover the sin of an offender, to straighten the path of a crooked one. And that remedy is the cross. By making his son, his free son, the offender. 
by making his innocent son the guilty one, by making the perfect son broken and twisted. All Saints Presbyterian Church has the potential to be the happiest of places. How? By confessing regularly our sin to God and to one another. Every Sunday morning together, we wake each other up from the bad dream reality of our sin. We are criminals set free. We are sinners made saint. We are twisted made straight. And thankfully, we confess our sin together. We're not alone. We're equal opportunity offenders to God. Have you ever gone to a joyless, unhappy church where you walk in and you're like, what's wrong here? What do you think's going on in a joyless, unhappy church? My guess is that there is little to no confession of sin. There may be plenty of righteousness. There may be plenty of declaring that the rest of the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But much less or zero declaration of, I deserve hell. I deserve death. I was a twisted mess. Confess to the Lord who you truly are, lawbreaker, twisted offender. Hide nothing. Cover up nothing from him. That's what the end of verse 2 is talking about. There is no deceit in his spirit. That doesn't mean you never lie. It means, actually, that you don't lie about your lying. You don't hide about your hiding. Everything is honestly laid before God. See the crime to see the removal of punishment. Name the offense to see the happy Savior receive God's anger. Talk to God about your twistedness, knowing that God is merciful to break Jesus in order to straighten you. So that when people ask, like at the gas station this morning, how are you doing? We can say, better than I deserve. Happier than I should be. Honest confession of sin brings rejoicing. Honest confession of sin also brings relief. Look with me at verses 3 to 5. David gives us a window into what living a lie of unconfessed sin looks like. He's kept everything, his affair, his murder, his illegitimate marriage, covered up. And what's the result? Physical and emotional exhaustion. His bones ache. His mouth groans and moans. He's complaining. Why? Because God's after him. God doesn't play by the rules of hide and sleek. He gives each of us a conscience, that part of our spirit which knows when what we're doing is wrong. It comes before with the call to run when we're faced with temptation. And it comes after with the unbearable weight of shame and guilt. David is collapsed, verse 4 tells us, like someone who's been in a hundred degree heat without any shade, without any water. And it's then David confesses his crime, makes known his offense. To what end? What do you see here? The guilt of his sin is lifted up. Interesting two words there, isn't it? Lifted up. Maybe here, Psalm 121. I lift up. My eyes to the hills, from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And John 3, as Jesus says, 
As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, serpent in the wilderness to cure the people of their curse, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. The guilt of our sin is taken off our collapsed backs and it's hoisted onto Christ. As I showed you earlier, I had about 40 pounds of weight in my, on my back during the 100-mile, this is that's probably about the right weight, 100-mile trek a few months ago along the Appalachian Trail. Too much weight. 40 pounds is way too much. It led to a lot of blisters, and it's led to a catch in my back that still hasn't gone away. But on day four, after carrying these 40 pounds for about 40 miles, up and down thousands of feet of terrain, I was promised relief by staying at one of the national park's hotels. But halfway through the trip, and it was at the top of a hill. And it was the end of the day, and I was almost to the top of the hill, friends, when I came to a sign that was marked registration. I'm like, I'm close. I'm close. But the sign had no arrow. There were two paths, one on the left and one on the right. But the sign had no arrow which way to go as I'm carrying this pack. And I began to scream in frustration at the sign. Which way do you want me to go? Who doesn't put an arrow on a sign? And I took the one to the left, which had a wall of rock blocking the rest of the path. And as I rounded the curve, just about 10 feet further, I realized I was heading in the right direction as above me was a restaurant deck holding about 40 diners who had just heard me scream at an inanimate object. <laughs> and I just wanted to run back and hide. There's somebody else back there on the trails going crazy. I couldn't have hidden from them. But my crime was clear. I'm a mess. Look at me. I am a mess. But relief is just ahead. And I can't tell you how good it felt, especially that night, to have that pack lifted off my shoulders and to lay down on a clean, soft bed. Who among us today is carrying 40 or 400 pounds of guilt and shame? Who among us is keeping silent about a sin that has not been confessed off your lips? The Lord has not made a confusing sign. No, his word, John the Baptist, his son, carves an arrow on the sign saying, this way toward relief. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is this way, this way to the cross. And friends, if there are 30 or 300 people who might be sitting on their deck staring judgment down on you being a sinner, let them stare. Let them stare. Even me sharing that story when I got angry, it actually had some expletives, ex, expletives attached to it. So when I share that story with people, I'm like, how are they going to respond to seeing the true nature of my heart in this? Let them stare. Because he's offering you a place of relief. Let the tears go. Let the straps go. Let Jesus carry your heavy load. It brings relief. Honest confession brings rejoicing, it brings release and relief, and finally it brings rescue. In verses 6 to 7, David essentially says, Because of the happiness and the relief I've found, 
Let everyone who trusts in God follow my lead. Because there you're going to find rescue. He talks about mighty waters or a flood that doesn't hit them. Like maybe Noah, thinking about Noah and the flood waters, or maybe the waters of the Red Sea. Those chaotic waters, those drowning waters will not find you when you confess your sin. You'll be on dry ground. Rejoice, find relief in the rescue from God's wrath. Jesus will hide you. He's a hiding place under his blood. Jesus will preserve you from all trouble, which results as a consequence of your sin. And Jesus will put around you fellow sinners made saints from the time of Moses to the end of days who will sing the same songs of deliverance you sing. Amazing grace that saved wretches like us. Friends, I want to encourage us this morning. Give up the efforts to rescue yourself through a hide and sleek game. If you take that other path, the path toward trying to make yourself look better, covering your twistedness, you'll only keep winding down and down. The path toward hiding from God and other things he's, he already sees. The path of refusing to admit you're wrong and boasting about all the ways in which you're right. Jesus will respond to you at the end of your days with, I don't know you. The ones he knows, the ones he makes happy, the ones he relieves and rescues are those who confess to the full truth of who we are so that we can see the full weight of a merciful Jesus for who he is. Can we be honest about our sin? The Lord invites us to respond with a yes and amen. Flee! All has been discovered. Flee to the Son who is lifted up, carried the weight of your worst sin, and hide in the happy relief and rescue of the cross. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would help us this day. And as we prepare to come to the table of the King, to come looking for relief, to come laying down burden, to come honestly confessing, I pray, Lord, that you have shown each one of us ways in which we have fallen short of the glory of God, have missed the mark. You've shown us our law-breaking, our crime. You've shown us our offense to you as we look at the cross. And you've shown us our twistedness, how it just keeps going, and we keep wrestling and struggling with it. But, Father, thank you that you do not leave us there. You give us a reason to rejoice. Happiness found in the cross. Relief found in the burden borne by Christ. And Father, happiness, relief, and rescue came through Jesus. May we hide ourselves in Him when we see our sin. And Father, even when we don't, may we hide ourselves in Him. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.